I want to welcome you back this evening as we are engaged on Sunday nights here at Northside in our study of the gospel according to, well, before I name that, I thought I should tell you that someone had a comment on my sermon this morning. The comment was from someone that I talked about in the sermon. Uh, Mr. Campbell said that uh, I owed him, in fact, ten dollars. Uh, that every time I mention his product or his name, uh, there's a royalty fee incurred. So, uh, tonight we will be in the third gospel. Uh, and if you can figure that one out, it begins with L, it rhymes with Ook. We will be in Luke. Man, there, I already owe you a ten, Luke. I owe you another five. Okay, um, Luke chapter five. Verse 16 will be where we are this evening. I'll do my very best not to pay any more royalty fees to Mr. Campbell. Any relationship that you are a part of requires communication. Uh, any part of, uh, whether it's your personal relationships, family relationships, work relationships, even church relationships, require communication. Uh, communication is like the fuel to the engine of any a uh, relationship that you're thinking about, involved in, or a part of, without it, eventually that relationship will run out of gas. You take friends, maybe at one time you were very close, and over time, and there was no animus, there was no uh, enmity, there was no problem to speak of, but you just lost touch. Communication became uh, less and less frequent, and, and over time, you would just say, we're not friends anymore. Not because you intentionally said, I don't like you, or the other said, they don't like me, but because there was no communication in the relationship. If you've been a part of a dysfunctional work team, uh, you realize that communication, a, a good, frequent communication, is what keeps everything going. If you've been a part of a uh, a team where that's lacking, you realize that profits drop, productivity drops, morale drops when communication is deficient. You've watched, perhaps, maybe seen, hopefully not firsthand, but have heard stories of churches that have split. The reason that happens, for a number of reasons, but it all could be boiled down to a lack of good communication. Good, effective communication is the key to any relationship that you're a part of. Now, the same is absolutely true with your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And what we're going to look at tonight is one simple verse where Jesus modeled that for us, showed us how to do it, and in fact, it's all throughout this third gospel account. Luke chapter 5, verse 16, will be the message that we're speaking from, the, the verse that we're learning about, Jesus had to seek the Father, just like you and I have to seek the Father. Luke chapter 5, 16, and I'm going to preface this by reading verse 15, just to remind you of where we've been. But now, even more, the report went, went about him ab abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear the Master, to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This is a simple but profoundly important part of Jesus' life and ministry. You see, 
for eternity, since all eternity, the Father and the Son were one in communication. In, in the spiritual world between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they were all as one and yet three distinct, but they were all in sync with each other, all unified in perfect harmony. Now, when Jesus became incarnate, when he stepped down into our world, put on human flesh, one of the limitations that he had was a lack of that in sync, harmonious, harmonious relationship between he and the Father and the Spirit. So he had to do in the flesh what you and I have to do in the flesh. What's required is that if we want to have a relationship with God, we have to seek God. We have to communicate with God. We have to draw near to God through his word and listen to the words of the Father. I like what the New American Standard was on the screen is the English Standard Version, which is a version, I, I, a modern translation that I think is very good and very accurate. But another translation, the New American Standard, translates chapter 5, verse 16 in this way. Jesus would often himself slip away to quiet places and pray. Our text tonight will be, as we go through this verse, using the NIV, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Where I think there are three things we can see from this verse, because preachers tend to only see things in threes. Don't ask me why. I'll give you three reasons if you ask me. Number one, Jesus picked prayer. The, the scripture tells us that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. If you think about it, that one of the other limitations of stepping out of the infinite into the finite is that Jesus bounded himself with the same limits of time that you and I have. He, he had a birthday. He had, he had an end day. We know that happened on Calvary. And he, in his day-to-day, had limitations the same just as you and I. He had the same 24 hours that you and I have. Now, you might say, well, I'm really too busy to study my Bible. I'm really too busy to talk to God. I'm really too busy. You don't know my life and it's hectic and all of that. What I do know is this. We all get the same 24 hours every day. And those 24 hours are up to us to choose how we spend them, how we divvy them up, what we apportion them to. And so you may not think you have the time, but in truth, in fact, you have not made the time. Jesus, in his example toward us, made the time a lot. He made it a priority. This was a choice. It was a deliberate decision. It was a big rock. It was the main thing. He was keeping the main thing the main thing. Now, now I had read verse 15 because I wanted you to understand what we talked about last week. He had just cleansed a leper. This beautiful, powerful, uh, compassionate act of Jesus. This miraculous sign that he had done. And as he does this, the report about him just spreads like wildfire. People have now seen the work of God in the flesh, and no doubt people want to know who this Jesus is, what he's teaching, and maybe they just want a miracle. Maybe they just need a healing from him. So Jesus was absolutely, uh, just completely 
His life was permeated by people who were just seeking a minute. I just need three seconds. I just need ten seconds. I just need to tell them about I just need, could you just touch this person? I mean, no doubt, this was the, the result of miracles and teaching and power that he, and Jesus had all of these demands. And as he grew in popularity, as he grew within the ministry, you need to understand that the demands in his time simply grew and grew and grew. And it seems as though the text here from the, the physician who wrote this book, is that Jesus, even as he grew in popularity and the demands on his time, he began more increasingly, more intentionally to pull away, to make that decision to communicate with God. This was not, by the way, an isolated event. We're going to look at several examples of this tonight. But if you're caring to follow along, Hebrews chapter 5 Verse 7 tells us a little bit, gives us just a tad more insight into Jesus' own life. Don't know exactly what happened to the slides there, but we're already at the end of the sermon. Okay, if you have a need, together as we stand and sing. (laughs) I do not know what happened just there. But let me try to just talk about things as we go through the slides, because I don't have any notes right now. But as soon as we get there... Uh, does anybody have any questions they'd like to ask? Any funny stories they'd like to tell? Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Back up one, if if you can. Uh, there we go. Hebrews chapter five, verse seven. <sighs> like to make the preacher sweat, don't you? Hebrews chapter five, verse seven says, "In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up." prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and he was heard because of his reverence. Now I used to read Hebrews 5, 7 and think, oh, that was talking about Gethsemane and it may be slightly referring to, but this seems to me, the more that I read it, the more that I think about it, is just speaking generally that Jesus often reached out to his father with prayers and requests and with supplications and no doubt with adoration. In fact, the priority of Jesus' solitude and the silence and the time that he spent with his Father is seen everywhere in the Gospels. When we look at this third Gospel account, we see several examples from the book of which we are studying. Go to chapter 3, verse 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus, who also had been baptized and was Praying, the heavens were opened. It's how he began his journey of the public ministry. Now, you understand, of course, baptism is required for one to become a follower of Jesus. But Jesus was baptized for different reasons. Obviously, he did not have sin to be forgiven like we do. But it's how he began his journey was not just by being baptized, but by praying to the Father. Turn now to chapter 9, verse 18. We're going to be all throughout this wonderful four-lettered book that we are in. You're going to go to chapter 9, verse 18. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am. Look now, go to chapter 22, verse 32. This is now towards the account from the physician of near in the end of Jesus' ministry. 
Simon, Simon, this is 22, verse 31 and following. Behold, Satan commanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus dealt with the emotions, with the stress, um, the demands, the, the, the frustrations, even the grief of ministry with prayer. He was engaging in a spiritual battle, not just for himself, but for his apostles. He prayed for them, and he prayed with them. And even as he was asking them, who do the crowds say that I am? He was in prayer when he asked the question. Third, it was how he handled the demands of ministry. We go to now the sixth chapter, verse 12. The scripture says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night continued in prayer to God. Now, why did he spend all night in prayer? Why, why, what was so significant? I mean, that, that's a, a very, very demanding level of prayer. Why did Jesus spend all night there? Well, you may have the chapter heading that tells us, the twelve apostles. But if you don't have that, just read verse 13. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. Big decision, important decision, and he absolutely bathed the process in prayer. Fourth, we see that it was absolutely crucial for him to pray as he taught the example for the disciples. Go to nine, chapter 9, verse 28. Now, this is the, the scene, is the transfiguration about which we can talk about, but uh, the experience itself, no doubt, was indescribable. Now, about eight days after saying, after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went, went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, his clothing became dazzling white. Go now to 11, chapter 11, verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Prayer was a part of the teaching ministry of Jesus, uh, uh, very intently so with the apostles, and teaching them how to pray, and teaching them, no doubt, what to pray for, and teaching them that prayer was a part of the ministry and part of the expectation of those as apostles, leaning on power greater than themselves. Number five, prayer was how he prepared for his death on the cross. You no doubt know Luke chapter 22, 22 and I'm going to start in verse 44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Can I just back that up for just a minute? Because maybe you didn't catch what the Spirit wanted you to hear. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. 
and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, his, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. We'll finish with one final one, number six, chapter 23, verse 46 tells us that before Jesus left this world, he was continually speaking to the Father. Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice, yes, I will interpret that as a prayer, sincere in the utmost. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last very last words that Jesus uttered in this world were communication and connection to his Father. There is no doubt that prayer permeated Jesus' life, that he took time to pause with purpose. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and and prayed. Uh, My question uh, as we think about this for just a minute, are you a be-er or a do-er? Are you a person who can practice presence with others and connection in relationship? Or are you a person who's always thinking about the next thing that has to be done? I've told you before, uh, I'm a do-er. And I have to work intentionally about being a be-er. But Jesus was both, though he was undoubtedly busy, a be-er and a do-er. He had much to get done, and he didn't have very much time to do it. The thing about three years is not a lot of time at all. But Jesus was also a people person. We've talked about his influence on the crowds, the way he drew people to himself, the way he uh, enjoyed the company of children. He had lots of pressure on him to meet the demands of other people. He he could have spent Jesus could have spent all of his time in ministry being with people and doing good things. We we know he did both of those things well. But Jesus knew that was not his mission. His focus was not just on doing stuff and being with people, but but his mission, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, was to seek and save the lost. And to do that, to stay on mission, to not get distracted, he needed, he knew that he needed to stay connected to his Father. These times when he would be purposely and intentionally focused Not on being, not on doing, but on connecting with his Father. Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. Sunday night crowd probably knows it pretty well. The the famed scripture, be still and know that I am God. I have a hard time imagining how Jesus could be still. He traveled everywhere he went, and of course, every means of travel back in his day was simply walking. 
and he had things to do and people to see, and, and he wanted to connect with those people. He had plenty of opportunities, plenty of expectations put on him. But Jesus purposely and intentionally paused, withdrew from people, from expectations, from relationships, from activities and demands and ministry to focus on the Father. I bring up this point to say that one is a lesson for the preacher because he needs those too. But two, a Sunday night crowd, in my estimation, has a much higher concentration of people who do those things well. They be and they do, right? When I came in here tonight, uh, the lights were not yet on in the auditorium. And someone flagged me down and said, there are a couple ladies in there who need to know how to turn on the lights. Not just so they could be in here, so they could get about the task of picking up the papers left behind from the Sunday morning crowd. That's a great example. On Sunday night, we have a lot of people that are beers and doers. But that's not enough. What matters is, have you taken time to connect with God? Have you paused with purpose and on purpose to connect with your Creator? Jesus did that. Not just for himself, but no doubt as an example for us. And finally, we see that Jesus personally pursued. He didn't rely on, on anyone else to do it. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus prayed often. We've already talked about how often he prayed in ministry. He prayed for people, the children, the sick, the demon-possessed, the disciples, the apostles, future followers. And he prayed with people. He prayed with Peter. I mean, isn't that cool? We kind of jumped over that, but just thinking about Jesus saying to Peter, I've been praying for you, and you don't understand this, but the enemy has asked to sift you. And I didn't ask him to stop sifting you. I prayed that your, that your faith might grow stronger, that you might live up to the name that I gave you, the rock. It's cool. Jesus was intentional and purposeful about prayer for people, but Jesus withdrew from all of the being and doing to passionately pursue God himself. So my question for you is, are you doing that? Are you personally, passionately pursuing God yourself? I don't mean bowing your head when, when, when someone comes up here and says, let's pray, nothing wrong with that. Don't misunderstand me. I, but I'm not talking about that. I'm not saying the time before the meal, when you bow your heads and you thank the Lord for his provisions, there's a time for that. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm just asking you to think about you and your personal connection with God. When was the last time that you in humility and reverence, spoke with your Father, your Creator. Jesus did that. And He did that not just for Himself, He did that for us. Jesus, when He withdrew, was not just being an introvert. Okay, There's a lot of introverts who hear this message and you go, 
yeah, I'm all about withdrawing from everybody. Okay? This is not what, this text is not talking about Jesus' reclusivity, that, that he was an innie and not an outie. No, that's not saying that at all. It's saying that Jesus withdrew for a purpose, that he might reconnect with his Father. The question might come up, well, why did Jesus pray? I mean, wasn't he God and didn't he know and couldn't they just... Again, there's the limitations placed on him by being in the flesh. You, you remember John, where, in John chapter 3, when Jesus said to Nicodemus, the God is spirit. You know, we, we can't even fathom what spirit is because we're all flesh. I mean, we're, we are not all flesh, but, but our, the world that we live in and, and us as human beings, you know, when we think about our, our prayer lives. A lot of times we pray pertaining to things of the flesh, sickness and disease and, and, and relationships and all of that. And, and I'm not saying that's wrong. Just saying we have such a hard time getting out of the flesh. It's hard for even us to get our, get ourselves out of it. Now, now God is spirit. He's so far outside of flesh, of course he created it, but he's so far outside of it that that, that, that the two are are worlds apart. And so when Jesus is in the flesh, he has to pursue what he had always had, which was a relationship and a connection to the Father. Uh, Look at Luke chapter 22, verse 42, because I think this is another part of being incarnate. And Jesus... One of the things that he did in prayer, in addition to keeping the connection with his father, was to keep his will aligned with God. Luke twenty-two forty-one, And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. I, I think that's another reason that Jesus pursued so intently. He knew that in, a, in the flesh, we have the tendency to gravitate away from the Spirit. And so to keep connected and to keep in line with the will of God, we had to, he had to continue to make that connection, that um, realigning his will to the Father's. What might we take, then, from Jesus' example? Many things, but my one lesson for us is that we we might draw near. All of us are busy being and doing. And I want to ask you to stop and pause and connect with God. I know you have places to be. I know you have things to do. But there is no more important thing to do. And there is no more important person to be than a praying, pursuing, passionate believer and follower of Jesus. And so may we seek his example. And we all, just like Jesus, have to make that choice every single Day, whether you're going to bend your knee to his will, whether you bow your head in reverent submission, not just symbolically of your head, but as an expression of your life, 
to bend and to bow and to yield, not your will, but his. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So my challenge for you is this week to get up 30 minutes earlier and spend that time with God. Whatever your normal waking time is, set the alarm for 30 minutes earlier for the, for the purpose, expressly and purposely and intently, of reconnecting with God, of aligning yourself to your Creator. Or if you're not an early bird, uh, shut off the last 30 minutes of your day when you're watching. Uh, I know Jesse likes Gilmore Girls, and I know he likes to watch that on Netflix. So uh, you cut off just one episode, Jesse, okay? And, and just spend that time with the Father. At the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to me personally, but may we all seek to draw near to to the Father, because what matters most is your connection with God. At the end of your life, when you step out of this world and out of the, the flesh and into the Spirit, will He be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will He say, depart from me, I never knew you. A lot of people who say on that day, I look at all I was and look at all I did. Jesus will say, I didn't know you. It then falls to us. Did you spend the time? Did you make the time to connect and to reconnect yourself with God? I hope that you can do that this week, and I hope that you'll not only do that for this week, but in the weeks to come. But may I say that your connection with God must start in Jesus. You know that, but maybe there are some here who do not know that. And if you are not in Christ, then you are, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. We need a relationship with God. That only begins through Jesus Christ, by obeying him, by repenting, by putting sin behind us, uh, by confessing his name, and by being immersed for the forgiveness of sins. That's when our connection starts. But then it's up to us whether or not we keep that relationship going. Tonight, if you do not know Christ and you're ready to begin that journey, we'd love to help you. If you are in Christ but you have wandered away, been a long time since you've spent some time with your father i want to encourage you to draw near again and if we can help you do that in a public way or help you with any other need won't you come as together we stand and sing